Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. Hello, contractors, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Tools. In today's interview, I speak with Aaron Gaynor, who's the owner and CEO of the Eco Plumbers. They are a team of 200 employees that are experiencing some explosive growth over the last few years. They are now at over $30 million in revenue and absolutely dominating Ohio. But just 15 years ago, Aaron had to close his first company and declare bankruptcy. So he really has this incredible story of resilience. And we talked about how Aaron has reinvented himself, how he's had to do that as a leader, as the team grows, when to step back, and how to ultimately empower his team and be the leader that he needs to be to get to that next level in the business. So we really get into a lot in this interview. Aaron had so many important insights to share, and I know you're going to love this. So let's get right to it. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to the show. So happy to have you here. Thanks for having me today. Look forward to it. So I love your story, Aaron, behind, you know, how you started the Eco Plumbers and, you know, that essentially 15 years ago, you were bankrupt, you had to move back home and essentially start fresh again. I'm curious for our listeners who, you know, maybe they're going through their own challenges, their own stressful times. How do you find that resilience or how did you find it at that time in your life? I think there's many different ways to find kind of what, what drives you. And I've always wanted to achieve something. I think it was built in me in some way because I'd started a business and it went bankrupt, as you mentioned. And I know some people have heard my story in general, but uh, I lost everything, lost my home, lost jobs, lost my car, everything you could think of like flat, broke, broke. Back at my mom's house around tw- age of 28 years old. And, uh, you know, I think for me, it was a lot of internal, like, I want to move, I want to move. But the reality it came down to as a single dad, and my son was three years old, and he was sleeping on the couch there with me on the weekends or the time I had him. And I just remember holding him up and just looking at him saying, I promise you, this won't be your life. Like, and then just got to work. And I think that was the first real step in the direction of resilience, right? Like, I want to do this for myself. But I also want to do it for him to prove that we're going to have a better life. Like we're not going to live this way, right? And to get back up and move and, and show him that you know what the American dream or the dream of life should be about, right? Is is you can become whatever you want to become if you're really willing to do it, right? And I think that's mostly what it comes down to is like the will. You have the will to do it. That's awesome. Yeah, and I I think you know sometimes when we go through darker periods in our lives, it's it's sometimes easier to stay there 
for a while. So I think it's incredible that you were able to pick things up. And I mean, we fast forward to today, you guys are at 200 employees. Is that right? Yeah, we just hit like 200 for going into this year, doing uh, 30 million in uh, plus, like 30 million in revenue in plumbing. And we just broke 100 trucks just uh, the other day, officially in the fleet on the road. So, so we're at 15. Later. So, yeah, thank you. It's been a lot of hard, a lot of hard work from a lot of people involved. And uh, my sister, who's an HR manager, is with us today. Was helped me start the business. My service man, one of our service managers, Braun, who I've known since we were 16 years old, has been on the team too, and is still on the team today. So their growth and their support, and our CFO Mike, who's uh, been on the team for eight years now, came on and really helped us out. And many other people that have been on this team now for years and years and years have all contributed to our growth and to their growth which is all personal development they've had along the way and the growth that they've had and the challenges that we've had to come up against to grow a service business from nothing to something. Yeah, absolutely. And I know you mentioned, you know, some of those key roles in your business now, as you were growing, I guess, how did you figure out the timeline of like when to make certain hires? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I, you, you try to understand like model, like staffing modeling. So you try to, you know, educate yourself on that. Obviously, we all try to read business books and what that looks like. How many people should one person manage? You know, I'm a member of NextStar. So NextStar is a huge, huge, huge part for me too, because it gave you a lot of tools that you just don't have. So I'd say if, to answer the question, I was like, I didn't, I didn't really know like NextStar helped me. Right. Right. And that's about having a company. Right. And I think anybody that's in any industry, it doesn't matter where it is, join a peer group or a group uh, that's at it, whether you're in roofing or plumbing or garage door, whatever. Everybody's got an opportunity somewhere to join a group somewhere. And you should, because that's that's where I learned from them. And they I had a great business coach, Jim Hamilton, who I just, you know, was just amazing to me. And he just shared his life experience and said, this is about where this happened. This is what we see. Members say this. I've met other members. They're like, well, I screwed this up. Don't do that. This time. And that's where I started to really understand most of it. it was just listening to their stories, talking, asking questions and started to understand, well, by this many people, you know, you should have this many CSRs, right? It's like by this many, t- like, so there's math equations to kind of ratio out, which then show up on your balance sheet. But at the time when you're growing, you don't really know that you're you're trying to run calls, you're just trying to do work and hope everything works out, right? And you're just kind of moving forward. So you don't know until you know. And I think that's the key is like you start to understand, then you start to understand your own bandwidth. Like, am I able to support people? Do I feel like I'm falling behind? Am I not? Am I retention off because I'm not actually able to have a relationship with the people that work with me? I mean, these are times that you should start to really start to say, I need to hire somebody else to do something. Our mistakes are happening too much, right? So I think those are other quick indicators that you just you just don't have the capacity to do all of it as much as you work. I I mean I'm all about working hard. I mean I I still do today, but there's a point where you know it gets starts to get away from you a little bit. So to answer the question, I guess is you you learn along the way, and then you work in the right industry to understand each industry is kind of industry standard. How many techs would you have? Like for us, we you know, we we don't. One CSR should be able to book enough leads for six techs, right? That's kind of a base model. So just kind of knowing those types of things, when to start hiring and who to, and when, how many managers uh, do you need to have for how many fields? We look at somewhere around 10 to 15 field service techs for a manager. So just kind of there, depending on the manager's bandwidth. Hopefully that answers some of the questions you're asking there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've, you know, Nextstar has been a big part of your growth and having these mentors and stuff in your life that can show you the path, I guess, for your team now, as you, you know, you have more managers and more people in, in higher positions within the company, how do you help them grow and evolve? Being available, you know, try to be available, be authentic, be honest. I mean, I think part of the growth is also being honest and you don't know. Like I've never ran a company uh, that's going to be $40 million this year. I don't know what it's like to run a $40 million company. I have, I have no idea. I've never done it. How can I How can I tell everybody how to do something I've never done either? But we can do it together. We can figure it out together, right? We can learn together. And, you know, whatever those opportunities are to learn together is that's that's how I su- we try to support them. I think John Maxwell tries to get in really well. It's like, you know, building level three, level four, and hopefully becoming a level five leader, which more level five leaders, right? And that's leaders building leaders is something that, you know, I'm still trying to figure out. I don't have that figured out. But the one thing is we do try to get at least threes and fours and uh, leadership style, right? And I think once you kind of start to understand that it's really about supporting the people that work for you and answering their questions or hearing what they are and then help them go find that or help discover it together. That's the best way you can support them and self-educate yourself too. I had a question asked a long time ago when we were talking about the growth for $100 million. I said, well, what do you think is going to hold you back? And I said, me. I'm the only person that will hold this whole thing back. So and it's it's either how much I personally grow with the team and I let others grow, right? So you are the cog in it. If you don't do and you don't grow and you don't go out and learn and read and spend time around other great businesses that are larger than you, if you're, you know, if you're a million dollars, you spend time with a three or four million dollar company, right? If you're four or five million, you should be with an eight or ten million dollar company. Keep working your way up. Don't go, well, I'm three. I'm going to go try to visit a $40 million business because the it's, it's great to maybe get a viewpoint quickly, but it's so far bandwidth between that. You're not going to work your way through the layers. Everybody wants to jump fast, but it's just understanding, learning. And so many people allow me to come visit their locations and do stuff. And I've, I mean, I've just read bookshelves behind me here and I can't see them with the way it screens, but just lots and lots of books to try to educate. So I have something when somebody brings something up to dig into back in the memory to, to hopefully say, oh, this was here. Or, oh, I remember this in a book here. Or, oh, I remember this from a podcast I listened to. It just try to share stuff. So that's what I try to do. Yeah, I love that. And I know you've said before, you know, that, like you said, you're the limit to the success of the business. I guess, are there ever times that you find yourself in a little bit of a rut or like, I don't know, I I imagine throughout the periods of growing the company, there must be times of self-doubt or that are a little bit challenging. Well, I think most people, I mean, we're humans, right? I don't, you know, I mean, you got to believe in yourself. You know, you, you say, I know I can do this. Like I said, the will to do it. Because that will doesn't come with self-doubt sometime. I mean, of course it does. I mean, the greatest athletes in the world probably still have self-doubt every once in a while. If you didn't, then you wouldn't be pushing yourself past that limit, right? But we, you believe that you're going to get it figured out and get going and, and work through it. Yeah, there's been ruts. There's been times where it's just been like, Geez, it just feels like we can't get out of our own way on some things, right? You just started getting a little exhausted. You're like, everything we do is just like, why does this seem to happen? Why are we like, you just keep going back to the drawing board, just, you know, over and over, just be willing to solve the problem. Like, no matter how long it takes, just keep getting back to the drawing board, drawing board, try to stay excited about solving it. That's that will get you out of the rut. At least I have our step back. Like I had to step back recently and just kind of say, all right, I need to step back a little bit. 
so far into the business that I'm not in it so much right now that I'm not working on it for a while. And I, I had to step back and kind of re, you know, just readjust my own viewpoint last year a little bit. We were having a year of growth and doing stuff, but I felt like there was things that we just could have done better. And I didn't do a great job. And I had to step back and kind of look at that and reflect on myself and reflect from the organization, just kind of look back and say, okay, what is it, right? So I think reflection will help help you get out of that rut and then put a plan together. Like you got to have a plan. If you're just showing up every day and you're just getting hit with stuff, like you're never going to get out of it. Build a plan, no one to say yes and no one to say no. Well, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, I think that's important to remember too, you know, when we talk to successful people like yourself, sometimes, you know, we we think that they don't have the same struggles, but I, I think it's good to hear that, you know, everybody yeah, I think has people think that somebody says like everything opens up for you like every door just opens up like no and the, the harder you work the luckier you get uh you know that's just that's part of it as long as you're working on the right hard stuff yeah right stuff but you will get luckier you do the more hours you put in the more time you read the more you work with people the more conversations you have the luckier you will get along the way which does open up more doors Absolutely. So let's talk about the right stuff then. How do you make sure that your team and and all of you, all 200 of you are moving towards the same end goal? Uh, that's a great question because this is really was a challenge for us coming in this year because we, uh, we know, biggest team we've ever had, more departments. Some of our departments now are used to be our business, right? Like, uh, so we'd always do a one and a three year and a 10 year plan. And we still do that for the high level organization. And I think what we started this year and our teams are working on it, uh, worked on it more and some departments have done more with it. And we're still wrapping some up, but uh, it's giving every department their own one year. So instead of looking at like the business as a whole, so we roll out a one year plan, we give people the budget. These are a high level. This is where we're going to go this year. This is where we're going to go in the next three years. So like our three-year organic growth is 65 million. We tell them that. We tell them the layers of that. What do we think each department should be contributing to? And then we lay out the one-year plan. Uh, you know, this year's 40 million. I think we can beat that. And then what is that by department? And then what I've done now is I just turn that number over to them and a few of the high-level things. Like we want to have you know retention at X this year. We're going to have this many students in our school. And then we turn that over to the department leads, the managers. Frontline said, well, if every department said, well, build your one-year plan. What does it look like? What do you want to do? What do you want to do inside that to make this work? How can, what's your vision of this department from what the vision we gave you from a higher level of an organization? Now, what's, what, how can you attach your vision to that also, right? So it's a, so they have ownership and they own that. Now, they don't just get, here's $13.5 million. Go do that. Yeah, yeah. We give them other KPIs and do stuff. It's like, well, how would you make that happen? What would be your vision of this department to be successful in doing that? And this year has really been powerful by having people do it. And it's actually unfolded some things for them that they just never really thought and saw before. It's like it's made their long-term planning easier. It's made them feel a better viewpoint of the year. They can understand their quarterly rocks. They can uh, plant. They just know. And now they start to think about the business and think about it as as theirs, which I think is really broad level. And then they can go talk to their field techs and other people that are involved and share what could they Then you go down to their level and say, well, what's your one-year plan individual as a technician, right? What do you want to see this year? What do you want? So I think that's really been the key is, is vision. Yeah. You have to share a vision with people. Like, why would they want to work at your organization if they don't know where you're going and what you're doing? 
and, and it has to have some detail to it. It doesn't have to be a long business plan. Ours is really simple. It's you know a couple of high level metrics, five or set five to eight like bullet points on it, really high level bullet points to share it, and we describe it as we go. But that's been the key, and we've done it for years and years. And every year, it's fun to do. It's can be somewhat cumbersome these days as the business got bigger. But at the same time, once we kind of were like, hey, let's let everybody start building their own in their departments, everything from marketing to HR to everyone. It's like, wow, everybody just got super engaged even more. Because there's this thing I heard once before is like, when did people check out? And it's like, well, if I say a number to you, when do you check out? Right. It's like, if I said 500,000 to you, okay, maybe that's not a big deal. Like, I can see how I help in 500. And I said 1.5. And I said 5 million. I said 10. I said 50 million. I said 100 million, 500 million, a billion. When does somebody just start to, no. So you got to bring it all like, high level and then bring it all the way down to everybody. So they know how they contribute and be part of the team. Yeah, I love that. And I love the idea of really involving your team in the process so that they have that ownership over the outcome and, and what needs to happen. Yeah, even if you have a small team of four people, get them involved. Ask them what they think, right? Give them some leadership responsibility. Say, hey, why don't you think about this over here? We want to add, you know, five people to this department. What would we do? How would we do it? So from a practical, like, day-to-day standpoint, how do you keep connected with your team and how do you maintain that that team culture? Uh, well, we have a manager's huddle. So how about this? Every day, every department has a huddle, a 15-minute huddle with the managers do with all their front line. So every day there's a huddle. Everybody's on the huddle. They go through KPIs yesterday. They'll talk about any challenges briefly, kind of just check in with individuals, share a story from yesterday, whatever it is. So quick check-ins always going on, keeping engagement so that it's not like lost out there in the world of running calls and showing up customer houses. So checking in there. Then we have a manager huddle every day at 8.30 where we have all the managers check in at 8.30, go over basically similar thing. KPIs, what happened, what did we do yesterday? Where are we pacing this week? Uh, where are we pacing to the month? You know, any challenges, leads, opportunities? What can we do to work together this week? Take care of some people, right? Can we help some customers or anything we can do this week that we haven't done? Any of those types of top conversations all happen, keeping people engaged, thinking, challenging each other. And then from there, you know, they go out and go execute the day. We just repeat every day. It's it's discipline, it's clockwork, right? So I think that helps keep engagement. And you, know, you have to change it up a little bit in there because it does, you know, want to get redundant. We do, and then we do other things. We do like monthly spin to wins and challenges and awards. We give out awards for core values. Uh, there's a lot of other layers. We do food trucks that come, try to just sometimes we throw things in that are just for, just for, hey, thank you. And then sometimes there's things that we do because like you've earned it. So yeah, I think being balanced of those two to make sure people know the difference of the two, because if you just start doing stuff all the time, it's kind of like expected, which you should do stuff for your team as a cultural thing. It's like, I'm doing this because I appreciate you and I'm doing this because you, we achieved something. Like, I think that was something I learned along the way is like, you have to identify the difference of them. Right. Because I have these five, it's the execution up here. It's like, what, you know, it's the, what's the mission? What are the KPIs? What's the where's the visual scoreboard up the level of accountability and last is celebrate like you have to celebrate when you achieve these things right you got to celebrate it so finding things to celebrate and there's many other things our team does you know to engage culturally wise with them I mean we have Milwaukee tools come and bring the big semi trucks with all the tools we have 
we have red wing boots coming to do a boot we do boot voucher things so all the guys can check in boots and let red wing come and size all the boots here for them that we're getting ready to roll out in april i mean there's all types of things we do stuff with nationwide children's hospital we do stuff with the mid-ohio food bank so a lot of things just always happening to keep people engaged in some level without it getting confusing too yeah yeah I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> I'm sure your team loves it too. It sounds like. Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, we'll do like here, like there's a, like a wings place called roosters and we've done like rooster weeks. Like we're like, we just talk to rooster and roosters and we say, Hey, any of our guys come in, here's a code. They can get lunch all week on us anytime. Like everybody loves roosters around this area. So thinking through the last few years and, and the significant levels of growth that you guys have achieved, are there changes that you've had to make personally as a leader in terms of like how you approach things or how your role has evolved? Yeah, I mean, I think you want to be real to who you are still. Uh, but also realize that life is about reinventing yourself. At the moment that I was bankrupt and didn't have anything, I had to reinvent myself. It started there, it started much. And I watched my mom reinvent herself as a single mother, you know, with three kids and had to struggle and went back to school and got a degree and was working multiple jobs trying to reinvent herself. And I think that's what it's about. I mean, it's you have to reinvent yourself, but you have to know how what to reinvent yourself into too, right? It's like, well, what do I need to be? If you want to be the CEO of your organization and lead it as a CEO, then you have to understand what it takes to be a CEO. That C it can be different types of CEO. It doesn't mean you have to be one type of CEO, right? There's different types of people that do different things, but you have to decide who that's going to be and then reinvent yourself into that as you go along without taking away from who you really are either. So yeah, I've had to reinvent myself. I've had to pick my game up in areas. I've had to do learn to be more organized with things that I may not have been before. I've had to learn numbers and other things that I weren't maybe areas that you know, that I always knew. I mean, you don't know them. You're a plumber by trade, right? I'm a plumber by trade. I had to go learn these things. Like, uh, so you have to constantly be reinventing yourself and, and, and be open-minded to things and realize that you're going to have to hear different conversations, different viewpoints. And you start bringing on CFOs and CTOs and operations managers and marketing people from other industries and you're talking to vendors and these lar large like you have to be informed enough to be able to have the educated conversation you don't have to be an expert but you have to be informed and that's why you go find the right people to bring on your team i know everybody says we just hire the right people well how do you know they're the right people if you don't have enough information yourself to value to, to challenge their ideology or thoughts too right so yeah, just because they say they're the right people, like you need to know that they are by being insightful, asking questions, and and being willing to dive into areas that you're uncomfortable with, and ask them. If, you, if they can teach you it, then they're the right people. So that's been leading meetings at different ways, and being able to get out in front of the team and tell them when you screw up, and made a bad decision for the business. I think those are things you have to overcome. Like you have to be able to step up in front of 200 people at some point and say, you know what? I own it. I made a mistake here, guys. And uh, we got to figure it out. This is my plan to try to do it. And you know, you, you, just, you just, those are things that really changed over time. Yeah. It sounds like you take the approach that, you know, you're really kind of in the trenches with them. You know, you're all working together as opposed to, you know, a boss. That's right. Yeah. Well, when COVID hit, I mean, I made a policy to myself and Barbara, our dispatch manager, we both said, there's no way that we won't be here every day if we expect our technicians to show up to houses. So we never missed a day. 
Like, so, I mean, people had to work remote sometimes and do stuff, but you know, that was mine because I'm a tech, that's, I'm a plumber. I did what they did. And if they're going to go out there and do that to make sure that we're working, do stuff, I'm going to be here every day to help support them. And we did that. Right. And that's, that's I think important. It's, it's about being in the trenches as much as you can. I mean, I don't get to be down on the front line as much, but I have been working my way to trying to get more managers in place to support them. So I can go spend time more on the floor per se to find out what's going on so I can help fix it. Yeah, that's important. Cool. So as you look forward to, you know, hitting that $40 million mark and growing beyond that, what do you see, you know, in the short term being some of your challenges or obstacles between where you are now and where you want to go? Execution. I mean, it comes down to that. I know everybody can throw that around, but uh, it's really executing. Like it really just comes down to executing. We've got the knowledge as an organization. I mean, we always can learn more and do, but we understand what we need to do. We've got a good strategy. We have a plan. We've laid it out. Can we get it done? Right? Can we execute it? Can we stay disciplined to those things? Can we challenge ourselves to say not to get squirrely over here and do this and do these other things? Like stay that course. So I think it really comes just discipline as we move along here. Like it's got to be discipline with execution. Like you have to execute. And I told our team this year, like this year for us is all about execution. Like we have to execute on the things that we fell short on last year. We have to execute on things that will allow us to build our three into our three-year plan. If we don't do them this year, our three-year plan is going to fall short. If our three-year plan is falling short, then our 10-year plan falls short. So you know we have to execute and uh, that's it. We have to organize our business and organize each other was really the big message to that, to our management team. And this year was organizing each other, organizing our team, more people to manage and have relationships with. What does that look like? What kind of meeting of rhythms do we have to have? What kind of level 10 meetings do we need to have? Who needs to be there? What's How's our training programs work? What training do we need to give? We have a learning development coordinator now. What trainings do we need to execute on to teach people? What kind of leadership classes do we need to do? Like all these things that companies growing. So it really is just coming down to executing on all those things at the end of the day. And I know that sounds, you hear people always say execute, but let's be honest, that's the most thing most people fall short on is discipline and execution. It's like, this is easy. Like, ah, maybe maybe I'll just do that tomorrow or I'll follow up on that later. Or we did the huddle today. I didn't really like it. I don't want to do it tomorrow. It's like, no, you got to do it every day. Like it has to happen every day. If the level 10 meeting that you have with your manager sucked on last Monday, we'll figure out how to make it better next Monday. So it doesn't suck again, right? Like it's just, and it will suck sometimes. I say that because it's reality. Sometimes you have meetings that are just bad. And then some meetings are like, boom, like you have three of them in a row. It's like, wow, we just, things move. We just, we hit a rhythm, right? And that's, that's okay. Cause that's what's going to happen. But just trying to get yourself back up and execute at it every day to improve. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think as entrepreneurs too, you know, we don't always have discipline all the time because sometimes it's, you know, a shiny thing or we get bored. So I think that's an important reminder to, you know, build those habits that are going to take you to your next success. Yeah. And pick what you're going to do. I think I've been down that path in my first business. We, we were doing plumbing, HVAC and electrical. We were doing construction. We were doing this. We're doing like a little bit of everything. And then even when I got back to plumbing, I was like, started dabbling a little bit this, that. And finally, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do plumbing. Like, that's it. Until I win that and earn the right to do something else, then I'll do something else. And now we're starting to add HVAC this year because we had a market share percentage. We said, if we become this size at this number, now we've earned the right to do something else. Right. 
Amazing. Congratulations. That's exciting. But yeah, I, I think that's a good point. It's um, it's difficult to focus on one thing, but that's what makes the biggest impact. So tell me a little bit more about the school. I I know that a lot of companies are, you know, one of the bottlenecks to growth is having people that are able to do the work. So you guys opened a school. Let's hear about that. Yeah, we, last year in October, right before October, we went out and visited uh, Chad Peterman. I think you talked to him uh, on here, but we went out visiting him in Indiana. Uh, he had a, had started up a school out there. Uh, we went and visited and talked to him, something we wanted to do. Uh, so in October, we visited him. We Right after that, we had rented a space already and have about 5,000 square foot place between October and January 1. Our team got all after it, made it all happen. And they recruited students for it. They built the school out. They built platform training facility. We work with Nextstar, uh, Next Tech on Blind. We've got a dean uh, to come in. We call him the dean because we have Eco University is actually what it's called. So we have we got a dean, a sergeant major for 20 years, and then he was a school in the school system teaching for like 20 years. Uh, this guy's been around. He's awesome. He's awesome. And then we got some one of our plumbers to be a technical trainer for us and uh, took off. We just we just got to work. We we never ran a school like I like running a school is a lot different than just running your business. Right. So now we have a school. It's like so now we have a school. We got to train people to become plumbers. And really, our plan was to keep training plumbers in 16 weeks, 14 to 16 weeks, enough that you could do a T3 kind of style call, as we call it, T3 level tech. Uh, that can go out and take care of miscellaneous repairs and, and build training. And then we have ways to come back around and do more training. So we do that right now. It's, uh, it's been amazing. It's been something I wanted to give do too, because uh, as being a plumber by trade and it's all I've ever done since I graduated high school, it's like, I want to get back to a trade that saved my life and has given me many opportunities. And I mean, the trades are you know amazing. Um, and I think we need to bring more people in the trades. And I think uh, anybody that's out there that has, has the resources or the ability to to bring people into the trades or build a school or support a training program, you should do it. There's a shortage. There has been. I've, we've known this coming for a decade. This isn't like new information. Uh, but I think finally people have started stepping up and including myself finally and stepped up and said, you know what, then we're not going to quit making excuses. We're going to go out and create new labor instead of exchanging labor. And I think that was one of my topics with our team is like, I don't want to exchange labor anymore. Everybody's just exchanging labor. Like we're not doing anything to actually help build the infrastructure to support the demand of our community and our industry. So our team did it. They're the ones that made it happen. and did an amazing job. So we graduated. Uh, we had three classes last year. We graduated uh, I think just a little over 50 people out of the program uh, last year. And we just had 20 just come out and they get trucks right away. So when they're done, they're, they go through the training program. We have a tool agreement with Milwaukee, who has been amazing to us, by the way, uh, and some other Navi and Tankless and Bradford White and other people have been great supports to our program. They, so they know when they get done, they're paid to learn being at the trade. When they get out, we have a we have a truck as long as we get trucks right right now. But we've been able to get trucks. We have a truck. We have a sitting there wrapped, ready to go. Most of the time, they're brand new. It has their name in the window. It says future rock star, so-and-so's name. Uh, we have them sitting out there. It's really amazing. We've seen uh, technicians um, taking pictures in front of their trucks and excited for their future opportunities and careers. And it's just, it's been a cool experience to see uh, see us growing and grow, growing people in the trade. So that's really high level of it. And uh, now we've started working with some of the school district, Hilliard City Schools here 
has came and talked to us about and some other people about integrating this into their program and seeing what we can do as we go into uh, our second year of this program. Amazing. I bet that's very rewarding as well to kind of take someone from scratch and build them up. Yeah. It is. It's it's probably one of the more rewarding things we've done. I mean, we've done some great things for like the food bank and the hospitals and do stuff, but and those are great for people in need, but the, the rewarding to say, hey, we're, we've given this young person an opportunity and a career that they can earn a really great living at because most people think plumbers don't make that much money. I mean, most of our plumbers are service plumbers making over $100,000 a year, right? Like pretty good living uh, without any college degree, any college money or spend out. So uh, it is rewarding to see people come and uh, change their lives. I and mean, we have guys go back and uh, tell the story of where they were two years ago with us before we had the school and where they are today. And people that were in the school the first round are already going back. It's, it's cool. It's really, really great to see. So, Aaron, I know that this interview has been jam-packed with amazing insights, so I really appreciate you sharing those. Any last words of wisdom for contractors, home service business owners who are listening to this now and, and looking to grow their company? I might sound like a broken record on this one, but I, this, I use this a lot. So I use it here at my office. I use it on other podcasts or places I spoke before. But I just remember, I hear me say earlier, the will to do it. You may have mentioned that. So I, I, there's this quote that I remember seeing a long time ago. Uh, it was JFK asked Dr. Ron Ron, what would it take to send a man to the moon and bring him back safely? And the head of the space program at the time said these five words, the will to do it. Like, that's it. Like, if you think about it, like nobody knew how we're going to do it, what we're going to do, and what's going on. But if we have the will, we'll figure it out. And then from that will, you do have to go get knowledge, strategy, and you got to execute it, right? So it's like, well, they had to do that. That's what they had to do. They had to go figure out the knowledge of what it would take, what's going on. They had to put together a strategy. And then they had to put some poor soul in there and lock, launch them out and hope it worked, right? Execute on it. <laughs> they had to execute on it, right? And, and they did. Right. So I think it just comes down to, you know, really just whatever level you're at or wherever you are, whatever, just the will to do it, like the information, the knowledge, it's available. There's no excuses. Join a group, read a book, podcast. I mean, we're in the in the era of information, like when I first started the trades in, the, in 1997, I was like, I didn't have half of the stuff available that I do today, right, to be able to get information. Right. Like I've watched so many pot, listen, watch videos on anything, anything you want to know, it's available. So if you can't say you can't get the information, you're lying to yourself. The second one is a strategy. Like you can put the strategy together. Like you have friends and people you can talk to. And sometimes your family is sometimes not the best people to talk to because they might discourage you sometimes because uh, because they think they're protecting you. But you can get a strategy together. There's templates for strategies. EOS, Traction is a great book to use for that, to be able to think about how to put that together for traction standpoint. And then last but not least, is like you just got to get, you, you just got to go do it. Like wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you, you can do it if you just do it. If you don't know the numbers right now, figure out some numbers. Right? You don't know how to read a P&L right now, start reading it some way. Somebody ask questions, ask your accountant, ask somebody, right? Do that. But I'll tell you this, like none of it, literally none of it has ever happened for me or anybody if you don't have the will to do it. It just won't happen. Love that. I think that's a great way to end things. So Aaron, for our listeners, how can they learn more about you? Well, that's a great question. I'm not really sure. I don't, know. I don't have any like personal page of stuff. 
I mean, I guess you can check me out on LinkedIn. I don't really do anything on there. I don't really have like a social media presence myself. I mean, most of it's been from uh, being fortunate enough to connect with people like yourself that, you know, have heard my story somewhere else and let me get in front of it. And many other people have came before me and shared great stories, but they can always email me if they have questions at Aaron at ecoplumbers.com. Aaron at ecoplumbers.com if you want to email me and see if there's something I can answer or help you out with. Um, other than that, I mean, check out our business website, see things we're doing. But I personally don't have any like branding platform. I don't, I'm not selling anything to anybody on any of this stuff. I don't have anything. I do this because I, I want to give back. It's one of my uh, purposes in life I've wrote to myself is if make it up, then, you know, my goal is to share and give back. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, we'll definitely link to Eco Plumbers in the show notes so anybody can check that out. And we've got your email there too. Thank you so much, Aaron. Really appreciate your time and being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me today. It's great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Tools. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love if you could also share this episode with a fellow contractor who is ready to get off the tools and grow their business. And if you want more leads, sign up for our email list at reflectivemarketing.com, where we share weekly marketing insights that you can't get anywhere else. I'm Crystal Hobbs, and I hope you'll join me on the next episode of Beyond the Tools. See you next time.